Chapter Seventeen of Dragons of the Air by Harry Seeley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen Family Relations of Pterodactyls to Animals Which Lived with Them. Enough has been said of the general structure of pterodactyls and the chief forms which they assumed while the secondary rocks were accumulating to convey a clear idea of their relations to the types of vertebrate animals which still survive on the earth. We may be unable to explain the reasons for their existence and for their departure from the plan of organization of reptiles and birds. But the evidence has not been exhausted which may elucidate their existence. Sometimes in problems of this kind which involve comparison of the details of the skeleton in different animals, it is convenient to imagine the possibility of changes and transitions which are not yet supported by the discovery of fossil remains. If, for example, the pterodactyl be conceived of as divested of the wing finger, which is its most distinctive character, or that finger is supposed to be replaced by an ordinary digit, like the three-clawed digits of the hand which we have regarded as applied to the ground, where, it may be asked, would the animal type be found which approximates most closely to a pterodactyl which had been thus modified? There are two possible replies to such a question, suggested by the form of the foot. For the old bird Archaeopteryx has three such clawed digits, but no wing finger. And some dinosaurs also have the hand with three digits terminating in claws, which are quite comparable to the clawed digits of pterodactyls. The truth expressed in the saying that no man by taking thought can add a cubit to his stature is of universal application in the animal world in relation to the result upon the skeleton of the exercise of a function by the individual. Yet such is the relation in proportions of the different parts of the animal to the work which it performs, so marked is the evidence that growth has extended in direct relation to use of organs and active life, and that structures have become dwarfed from overwork, or have wasted away from disuse, seen throughout all vertebrate animals that we may fairly attribute to the wing finger some correlated influence upon the proportions of the animal as a consequence of the dependence of the entire economy upon each of its parts therefore if an allied animal did not possess a wing finger and did not fly it might not have developed the lightness of bone or the length of limb which pterodactyls possess. 
the mere expansion of the parachute membrane seen in so-called flying animals both mammals and reptiles which are devoid of wings is absolutely without effect in modifying the skeleton but when in the bat a wing structure is met with which may be compared to a gigantic extension of the web foot of the so-called flying frog the bones of the fingers and the back of the hand elongate and extend under the stimulus of the function of flight in the same way as the legs elongate in the more active hoofed animals with the function of running therefore it is not improbable that the limbs shared to some extent in growth under stimulus of exercise which developed the wing finger and if an animal can be found among fossils so far allied as to indicate a possible representative of the race from which these flying dragons arose it might be expected to be at least shorter-legged and possibly more distinctly reptilian in the bones of the shoulder girdle which support the muscles used in flight it may readily be understood that the kinds of life which were most nearly allied to pterodactyls are likely to have existed upon the earth with them and that flight was only one of the modes of progression which became developed in relation to their conditions of existence the principal assemblage of terrestrial animals available for such comparison is the dinosauria they may differ from pterodactyls as widely as the insectivora among mammals differ from bats but not in a more marked way comparisons will show that there are resemblances between the two extinct groups which appeal to both reason and imagination dinosaurs are conveniently divided by characters of the pelvis first into the order saurischia which includes the carnivorous megalosaurus and the cetiosaurus with the pelvis on the reptile plan and secondly the order ornithischia represented by iguanodon with the pelvis on the bird plan it may be only a coincidence but nevertheless an interesting one that the characters of those two great groups of reptiles which also extend throughout the secondary rocks are to some extent paralleled in parts of the skeleton of the two divisions of pterodactyls this may be illustrated by reference to the skull pelvis hind limb and the pneumatic condition of the bones the saurischian dinosauria have an antorbital vacuity in the side of the skull between the nasal opening and the eye as in the long-tailed ornithosaurs named pterodermata in some of the older genera of these carnivorous dinosaurs of the trias the lateral vacuities of the head are as large as in dimorphodon but in some at least of the iguanodont or ornithischian dinosaurs there is no antorbital vacuity and the side of the face in that respect resembles the short-tailed pterodactylia 
the skull of a carnivorous dinosaur possesses teeth which though easily distinguished from those of pterodactyls can be best compared with them the most striking difference is in the fact that in the dinosaur the nostrils are nearly terminal while in the pterodactyl they are removed some distance backward this result is brought about by growth taking place in the one case at the front margin of the maxillary bone so as to carry the nostril forward and in the other case at the back margin of the premaxillary bone thus an elongated part of the jaw is extended in front of the nostril hence there is a different proportion between the premaxillary and maxillary bones in the two groups of animals which corresponds to the presence of a beak in a bird and its absence in living reptiles it is not known whether the extremity of the pterodactyl's beak is a single bone the intermaxillary bone such as forms the corresponding toothless part of the jaw in the south african reptile dicynodon or whether it is made by the pair of bones called premaxillaries which form the extremity of the jaw in most dinosaurs too much importance may perhaps be attached to such differences which are partly hypothetical because the extinct ichthyosaurus which has an exceptionally long snout has the two premaxillary bones elongated so as to extend backward to the nostrils a similar elongation of those bones is seen in porpoises which also have a long snout and the bones are carried back from the front of the head to the nostrils which are sometimes known as blowholes but the porpoise has those premaxillary bones not so much in advance of the bones which carry teeth named maxillary as placed in the interspace between them the nostrils however are not limited to the extremity of the head in all dinosaurs if this region of the beak in dimorphodon be compared with the corresponding part of a dinosaur from the permian rocks or trias the relation of the nostril to the bones forming the beak may be better understood in the sandstone of elgin usually named trias a small dinosaur is found which has been named ornithosuchus from the resemblance of its head to that of a bird seen from above the head has a remarkable resemblance to the condition in rampharynchus in the sharp pointed beak and positions of the orbits and other openings inside view the orbits have the triangular form seen in dimorphodon and the preorbital vacuities are large as in that genus while the lateral nostrils which are smaller are further forward in the dinosaur the differences from dimorphodon are in the articulation for the jaw being carried a little backward instead of being vertical as in the pterodactyl and the bone in front of the nose is smaller notwithstanding probable differences in the palate 
the approximation which extends to the crocodile-like vacuity in the lower jaw is such that by slight modification in the skull the differences would be substantially obliterated by which the skull of such an ornithosaur is technically distinguished from such a dinosaur the back of the skull is clearly seen in the whitby pterodactyl and its structure is similar to the corresponding part of such dinosaurs as ankosaurus or atlantosaurus without the resemblance quite amounting to identity but still far closer than is the resemblance between the same region in the heads of crocodiles lizards serpents colonians few of these fossil dinosaur skulls are available for comparison and those differ among themselves the coincidences rather suggest a close collateral relation than prove the elaboration of one type from the other they may have had a common ancestor the trias rocks near stuttgart have yielded dinosaurs as unlike pterodactyls as could be imagined resembling heavily armored crocodiles in such types as the genus belladon its jaws are compressed from side to side as in many pterodactyls and the nostrils are at least as far backward as in Rhamphorhynchus. Belladon has preorbital vacuities and postorbital vacuities, but the orbit of the eye is never large, as in pterodactyls. It might not be worthwhile dwelling on such points in the skull if it were not that the pelvis in Belladon is a basin formed by the blending of the expanded plates of the ischium and the pubis into a sheet of bone which more nearly resembles the same region in pterodactyls than does the ischiopubic region in other dinosaurian animals like Cetiosaurus. The backbone in a few dinosaurs is suggestive of pterodactyls. In such genera as have been named Silurus and Calamospondylus, in which the skeleton is only partially known, the neck vertebrae become elongated so as to compare with the long-necked pterodactyls. The cervical rib is often very similar to that type, and blended with the vertebra as in pterodactyls and birds the early dorsal vertebrae of pterodactyls might also be mistaken for those of dinosaurs the tail vertebrae of a pterodactyl are usually longer than in long-tailed dinosauria in the limbs and the bony girdles which support them, there is more resemblance between pterodactyls and dinosaurs than might have been anticipated, considering their manifest differences in habit. Thus, all dinosaurs have the hip bone named ilium prolonged in front of the articulation for the femur as well as behind it, almost exactly as in pterodactyls and birds. See page 95. There is some difference in the pubis and ischium 
which is more conspicuous in form than in direction of the bones. There is a pterodactyl imperfectly preserved, named Pterodactylus dubius, in which the ischium is directed backward and the pubis downward, and the bones unite below the acetabular cavity for the head of the femur to work in, but do not appear to be otherwise connected. In Ramphorhynchus, the connection between these two thickened bars is made by a thin plate of bone. In such a dinosaur as the American carnivorous Ceratosaurus, the two bars of the pubis and ischium remain separate and diverging, and there is no film of bone extending over the interspace between them. The development of such a bony condition would make a close approximation between the ornithosaurian pelvis and that of those dinosaurs which closely resemble pterodactyls in skull and teeth. Another pelvic character of some interest is the blending of the pubis and ischium of the right and left sides in the middle line of the body. There are some genera of dinosaurs like the English Aristosuchus from the Weald and the American genera Celurus, Ceratosaurus, and others, in which the pubic bones, instead of uniting at their extremities, are pinched together from side to side and unite down the lower part of their length, terminating in an expanded end like a shoe, which is seen to be a separate ossification and probably formed by a pair of ossifications joined in the median line. This small bone, which is below the pubes, and in these animals becomes blended with them, we may regard as a pair of prepubic bones like those of pterodactyls and crocodiles, except that they have lost the stalk-like portions, which in those animals are developed to compensate for the diminished length of the pubic bones. The prepubic bones may also be developed in Iguanodon, in which a pair of bones of similar form remains throughout life in advance of the pubes, as in pterodactyls. In those dinosauria, with the bird-like type of pelvis, the pubic bone is exceptionally developed, sending one process backward and another process forward, so that there is a great gap between these diverging limbs to the bone. In the region behind the sternum, to which the ribs were attached, and in front of the pelvis, is a pair of bones in iguanodon, shaped like the prepubic bones of dimorphodon. They have sometimes been interpreted as a hinder part of the sternum, but may more probably be regarded as a pair of prepubic bones articulating each with the anterior process of the pubis. See figure 80. The small bones found at the extremities of the pubes in such carnivorous dinosaurs as Aristosuchus are blended by bony union with the pubes. The bones in Iguanodon are placed behind the sternal region without any attachment for sternal ribs, and the expanded processes converge forwards from the stalk, 
and unite exactly like the prepubic bones of ornithosaurs while this character on the one hand may link pterodactyls with the dinosaurs on the other hand it may be a link between both those groups and the crocodiles in which the front pair of bones of the pelvis has also appeared to be representative of the prepubic bones of flying reptiles see figure thirty two page ninety eight the resemblances between pterodactyls and dinosaurs in the hind limb are not of less interest though it is rather in the older pterodactyls such as dimorphodon pterodactylus and rampharynchus that the resemblance is closest with the slender carnivorous dinosaurs they never have the head of the thigh bone femur separated from its shaft by a constricted neck as in the pterodactyls from the chalk in many ways the thigh bone of dinosaurs tends towards being avian while that of pterodactyls inclines towards being mammalian but with a tendency to be bird-like in the older types and to be mammal-like in the most recent representatives of the group in the chalk the bones of the leg in ornithosaurs known as tibia in fibula are remarkable for the circumstance first that they resemble birds in the fibula being slender and only developed in its upper part towards the femur and secondly that in a genus like dimorphodon this drumstick bone has the two upper bones of the ankle blended with the tibia so as to form a rounded pulley joint which is indistinguishable from that of a bird see page 102 there is a large number of dinosaurs in which this remarkable distinctive character of birds is also found only dinosaurs like iguanodon for instance have the slender fibula as long as the tibia and contributing to unite with the separate ankle bones of the similarly rounded pulley at the lower end there are no birds in which the tarsal bones remain separated and distinct throughout life but in pterodactylus from solenhofen as in a number of dinosaurs especially the carnivorous genera the bones of the tarsus remain distinct throughout life and never acquired such forms as would have enabled the ankle bone termed astragalus to embrace the extremity of the tibia as it does in iguanodon thus the resemblance of the ornithosaur drumstick is almost as close to dinosaurs as to birds there is great similarity between dinosaurs and pterodactyls seen in the region of the instep known as the metatarsus these bones are usually four in number parallel to each other and similar in form they are commonly longer than in dinosaurs but among some of the carnivorous dinosaurs their length approximates to that seen in pterodactyls in neither group are the bones blended together by bony union while they are always united in birds 
as in oxen and similar even hoofed mammals dinosaurs agree with pterodactyls in maintaining the metatarsal bones separate but they differ from them and agree with birds frequently in having the number of metatarsal bones reduced to three as in iguanodon though dinosaurs often have as many as five digits developed the toe bones the phalanges of these digits of the hind limb are usually longer in pterodactyls than in dinosaurs but they resemble carnivorous dinosaurs in the forms of their sharp terminal bones for the claws which are similarly compressed from side to side so diverse are the functions of the forelimb in dinosaurs and pterodactyls and so remarkably does the length of the metacarpal region of the back of the hand vary in the long-tailed and short-tailed ornithosaurs that there is necessarily a less close correspondence in that region of the skeleton between these two groups of animals for the pterodactyl forelimb is modified in relation to a function which can only be paralleled among birds and bats and yet neither of these groups of animals approximates closely in this region of the skeleton to the flying reptile under all the modifications of structure which may be attributed to differences of function some resemblance to dinosaurs may be detected which is best evident in the upper arm bone humerus is slight in the forearm bones ulna and radius and becomes lost towards the extremity of the limb if the tendency of the thigh bone to resemble a mammalian type of femur page one hundred is a fundamental deep-seated character of the skeleton it might be anticipated that a trace of mammalian character would also be found in the humerus for what the character is worth the head of the humerus does show a closer approximation to a monotreme mammal than is seen in birds and is to some extent paralleled in those south african reptiles which approximate to mammals most closely not the least remarkable of the many astonishing resemblances of these light aerial creatures to the more heavy-bodied dinosaurs is the circumstance that the humerus in both groups makes a not dissimilar approach to that of certain mammals these illustrations may be accepted as demonstrating a relationship between the ornithosaurs and dinosaurs now compared which can only be explained as results of influence of a common parentage upon the forms of the bones but more interesting than resemblances of that kind is the similarity that may be traced in the way in which air is introduced into cavities in the bones in both groups in some of the imperfectly known dinosaurs like Aristosuchus, Coelurus, and Thecospondylus, 
the bone texture is as thin as in pterodactyls and the vertebrae are excavated by pneumatic cavities which are amazing in size when compared with the corresponding structures in birds for the vertebra is often hollowed out so that nothing remains but a thin external film like paper for its thickness in the dinosaurian genus Celurus, this condition is as well marked in the tail and back as it is in the neck. The essential difference from birds appears to be that in the larger carnivorous dinosaurs, the pneumatic condition of the bones is confined to the vertebral column while birds and pterodactyls have the pneumatic condition more conspicuously developed in the limb bones the pneumatic skeleton however appears to be absent from the herbivorous types like iguanodon and all dinosaurs which have the bird-like form of pelvis and are most bird-like in the forms of bones of the hind limb it is possible that some of the carnivorous dinosaurs also possessed limb bones with pneumatic cavities many of those bones are hollow with very thin walls if their cavities were connected with the lungs the foramina are inconspicuous and unlike the immense holes seen in the sides of the vertebrae according to the late professor marsh the limbs of celurus and its allies which at present are imperfectly known are in some cases pneumatic therefore there is a closer fundamental resemblance between some carnivorous dinosaurs and pterodactyls than might have been anticipated but the skull of celurus is unknown and the fragments of the skeleton hitherto published are insufficient to do more than show that the two types were near in kindred though distinct in habit each has elaborated a skeleton which owes much to the common stock which transmitted the vital organs and the tendency of the bones to take special forms but which also owes more than can be accurately measured to the action of muscles in shaping the bones and the influence of the mechanical conditions of daily life upon the growth of the bones in both of these orders of animals enough is known to prove that all dinosaurs cannot be regarded as ornithosaurs which have not acquired the power of flight though the evidence would lead us to believe that the primitive ornithosaur was a four-footed animal before the wing finger became developed in the forelimb as a means of extending a patagial membrane like the membrane which in the hind limb of dimorphodon has bent the outermost digit of the foot upward and outward to support the corresponding organ of flight extending down the hind legs it may thus be seen that the characters of ornithosaurs which have already been spoken of as reptilian as distinguished from the resemblances to birds may now with more accuracy be regarded as dinosaurian 
the dinosaurs like pterodactyls must be regarded as intermediate in some respects between reptiles and birds the resemblances enumerated would alone constitute a partial transition from the reptile to the bird although no dinosaurs have organs of flight many are heavily armored with plates of bone and few if any approximate in the technical parts of the skeleton to the bird class except in the hind limbs yet dinosaurs have sometimes been regarded as standing to birds in the relation of ancestors or as parallel to an ancestral stock before an attempt can be made to estimate the mutual relation of the flying reptiles to dinosaurs on the one hand and to birds on the other it may be well to remember that the resemblance of such a dinosaur as a guanodon to a bird in its pelvis and hind limb is not more remarkable than that of pterodactyls to birds in the shoulder girdle and bones of the forelimb the keeled sternum the long slender coracoid bones and scapulae are absolutely bird-like in most ornithosaurs and that region of the skeleton only differs from birds in the absence of a ferculum which represents the clavicles and is commonly named the merry thought the elongated bones of the forearm and the hand terminating in three sharp claws are characters in which the fossil bird archaeopteryx resembles the pterodactyl rhamphorhynchus a resemblance which extends to a similar elongation of the tail it is remarkable that the resemblance should be so close since archaeopteryx affords the only bird skeleton known to be contemporary which can be compared with the solenhofen flying reptiles the resemblance may possibly be closer than has been imagined the back of the head of Archaeopteryx is imperfectly preserved in the region of the quadrate bone, malar arch, and temporal vacuity. Until these are better known, it cannot be affirmed that the back of the head is more reptilian in pterodactyls than in the oldest birds. The side of the head in Archaeopteryx is distinguished by the nostril being far forward, the vacuity in front of the orbit being as large as in the pterodactyl Scaphonathus from Solenhofen and other long-tailed pterodactyls. End of chapter 17